thank you for tuning in to AnchorCast. Please remember to subscribe and follow us on social media at Anchor Nights to get the latest updates about events, meetings, and uploads. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hey, what's up, Anchor? My name is Keith, and I'm the equipping pastor here at Cross City, and I'm so excited to be able to share a message with you guys here today. Uh, I know that I say this every time that we talk, uh, and, and I definitely still mean it. Uh, I, I'm missing hanging out with you guys, uh, because every time I go over and spend some time with you guys over in the frat house on Tuesday nights, uh, you guys are always so encouraging and so uplifting. Uh, I'm, I'm actually really sad that we're not able to physically uh, be in the same room together now, uh, but I'm still excited that we get to hang out here today, and uh, we had some great worship earlier. Um, so this latest series that we're working through here in Anchor is, uh, is about putting on the armor of God, and this comes from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and this is in chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. And so I always like to just start and just read that verse again, just to make sure that we're all on the same page. It's a little bit long, but let me get through it here. So finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So last week, Jake talked about that foot armoring uh, that comes with the gospel of peace. And today we're going to talk about the shield of faith. And one of the things that I really love about this particular verse is when we read about church tradition, we, we hear that Paul was probably in prison in Rome when he wrote this message to the Ephesians. And, uh, and I just loved thinking about this because I'm a visual reader. When I read things, it's really easy for me to start to picture things in my head. And I can really see where Paul's inspiration probably came from because Paul being in jail, more than likely the jail was run by Roman centurions. So I think that Paul's sitting in his jail cell and he's looking outside and he's seeing these fully armored centurions and it's just guiding him to write this amazing passage right here. And so whenever I read this passage, I always think of just a fully armored Roman centurion is what Paul's trying to describe here. And so today what we're talking about is the shield. And, uh, and I think the shield is a super interesting part of any soldier's armament uh, because it's an active defense against injury and death. And I think this is kind of unique because when we think about any other piece of armor, it's normally like a passive defense, right? Armor, when we talk about things like a breastplate or things like, like boots, that they're designed to protect us after we've been hit, right? As somebody's coming in and, and trying to deal damage in there, it's supposed to reduce that damage. But see, the shield is an active defense. Now, what that means is that if we're using the shield properly, it is actually going to deflect the, the attack before it ever has any chance to make contact with us. See, it's not protection from when you've already been hit. It's protection from when uh, you you're, you're not even going to be hit in the first place if you're using it correctly. And see, I think that's why Paul uses this example of the shield uh, to, to demonstrate faith. And I think living as a Christian in the world particularly right now, uh, that it feels a lot like being a soldier under attack sometimes. 
And I, I don't know about you, but for me, I feel like I'm under constant assault. It comes from a variety of sources. Either it's from inside me, which is probably, if I'm being real, where most of the attacks I feel like come from, but also from the world around us. I feel there's so many things that are just trying to bring me down and trying to, to drive a distance between that relationship that I'm trying to have with Christ. And whether it's my own sinful nature that's pulling me to do things that I don't want to do anymore, or it's outside influences, things like uh, television, pop culture, media, or, or even sometimes just other people around me in certain instances, I feel like there's just this constant bombardment that's coming towards me. And I, I know that this armor of God that Paul is talking about is so critical. And, and I think that one of those pieces that we're going to talk about that, that's very critical uh, is faith. And so the first question, as we're talking about faith today, that I think we need to address, I think we need to answer is, what is faith? Now, we look at the, the world around us and how often the word faith gets used. You've probably seen it in Facebook posts everywhere. It's in music. Uh, it's, it's everywhere. But I think that sometimes we're a bit vague about what exactly we mean when we say to have faith. And so for the definition of faith, I want to look at what the Bible tells us. And so I'm going to look at Hebrews here. And uh, it's in chapter 11, where faith is defined as confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And so I think that we can really break down faith into three different areas here. It's knowledge, it's belief, and it's trust. See, I think in order for us to have great faith, that we have to have the knowledge that God exists and we have to believe in what he says. But more importantly, there's that action word, which is we have to trust what God is doing. And, and I think those first two parts, belief, and knowledge, I think, are the easy parts when we talk about our Christian walk here. See, the, the hard part is that action word, that trusting. And see, Hebrews 11 goes on to talk about something, and I know that you've talked about this in earlier uh, lessons here, but it, it talks about what we call the Faith Hall of Fame. And this is where we find examples of all kinds of biblical characters who showed true faith by not only believing in God and knowing him, but also in trusting him. See, it, it talks about Noah who trusted God when God told Noah that the whole world was going to flood, but that his family was going to be saved. It talks about Abraham and Sarah, who trusted that God would give them a son that would become the father of all nations. And it talks of Moses, who trusted that God would provide a land for his people after years of persecution. See, these are just a few examples of the people that are listed in here that trusted in God, and they demonstrated that confidence that we talked about, that confidence and their hope in the assurance of things that they couldn't see. But I think the real question when we walk into the shield of faith discussion is, how do we develop that kind of faith, the kind that's talked about in Hebrews 11? And I think luckily that question is answered in Hebrews 12. See, Hebrews 12 begins with, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured on the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And see, I think that most of you have probably heard this verse before and we've looked at it, but I don't know that we've ever fully dissected one of the, the important words in there. See, this great cloud of witnesses that that Hebrews writer is talking about is everybody that we just talked about in Hebrews chapter 11, that faith hall of fame that we just spoke of. But I think for us to understand it better, we need to understand more of what the author meant about that. And I think we need to look a little bit at what the author meant by that word witness. See, I think that 
when we read this or when we go through it, when we think of a witness, we think a witness is somebody who saw something which is definitely one use of that word there. And uh, that leads us to think that this big cloud of witnesses, all these biblical heroes, Moses, Noah, all these guys are sitting up in heaven and they're looking down at us and they're watching what's going on. Now I find this hard to believe and hard to, to reconcile with other stuff that the Bible tells us, right? So the Bible says that heaven is a place where there's no suffering, where there's joy, where there's contentment and gladness in the worship of God. And I just can't see these guys like Noah and Moses and my grandfather and everybody that's gone before us just sitting down and looking at our knucklehead decisions and still feeling all this joy, right? When when they look down on the world, if they're able to, they would see the pain, they would see the suffering that exists, and even at this time, the anxiety that's everywhere. And see, I find it hard to believe that they would be able to have that happiness and contentedness. In fact, I think the only way that people who have gone before us who are in heaven could still look down on the world and still have that peace and happiness would be if they were looking down and seeing what's going on now with the knowledge of what was going to happen later. And I think a better example of this is if you think of like watching an action movie, uh, you might see the heroes in a whole lot of danger. You're not sure how they're going to get out of it, but you know in the end that Jason Bourne's not going to die, that he's going to make it. And I think that that's the only way that the witnesses from heaven could be here. But see, there's something else that the word witness might, might mean. And I think that's what the author is trying to say here. See, I want to talk about the other use here. See, the, the word in Greek that's used there is the word martus. It's the same word that martyr comes from. And see, this could mean somebody who sees something like we talked about before. But see, martus or witness could mean the witness in a legal sense. And so what I mean by this is a witness is not just somebody who sees, but it's somebody who testifies. It's somebody who says what they experienced, something that they saw, what they lived in order to build a case. And so what I think is going on is that this cloud of witnesses that's described here in the book of Hebrews, it's meant to be people who are sharing their experiences to help build a case for you and I that God is reliable and that God is worthy of our trust. And so what I think that the writer of Hebrews here is saying about our faith is that there's a bunch of men and women who want you to trust God by sharing their stories and telling you how trustworthy God is. See, I think that Noah as a witness that he might tell you, even though the times are bleak and it seems like it's raining everywhere else uh, and it's raining on top of you right now and the floods are coming, that God delivers. And I think that Abraham's testimony would be, even when it seems like it's been too long for that promise that God has put in your heart, when it seems like it's just not gonna happen and it's just not possible that God always keeps his promises. And I think that Moses would tell us, you know what, when that road is long, when that road is difficult, and it feels like there's just challenge after challenge after challenge that God fulfills his promises. But see, I think there's another side to their witness as well. See, I, I think that sometimes when we read through that Hebrews 11 hall of faith that I talked about before, that we also forget that this book is actually a hall of failures. See, Noah, Noah was a drunk. Jacob was a liar, Joseph was an ex-con, Moses was a murderer, Rahab was a prostitute, Simon was disobedient, David was an adulterer. And see, I don't think any of them, if they were on the stand, if they were delivering their testimony, I don't think any of them would leave these parts of their stories out because the overwhelming message of the Bible is that we serve a God who is a redeemer. See, he's working actively, not only to redeem the world, but also to redeem each and every one of us through the way he works in our lives. See, God fixed 
every one of those lives. And I think that they would want you to hear their testimony, to hear their witness that God can be trusted and that they would want you to know that there's nothing that you can do or that you have done that's going to disqualify you from being a part of God or a part of his plan. See, because ultimately these characters that we talk about in Hebrews 11, they're remembered for their part in God's plan and not their failures. See, we remember Noah for the ark and not the ale. We remember Moses for his homeland and not his homicide. See, but here's the thing. The only way these witnesses can share their testimony with us is if we actually read it, if we actually listen. See, we need to be spending time in our Bible so that we can hear these stories, so that we can hear these voices that are going to give us encouragement and, uh, and, and just to go out and boldly practice our faith. See, we need to give them the time. We need to take the opportunity for them to share their testimony with us through reading God's word. And, and so I think that when we think about reading the Bible as a way of putting on God's, God's armor, I think we get some valuable insights about when we should do this. See, I, I've, I don't know about you, but I've never heard of a soldier that at the end of the day, after a long day on the battlefield, goes into his tent and starts putting on his armor before he goes to bed. See, uh, what I'm saying is that putting on your armor last week, that doesn't help you today. And I've found that the encouragement and that the faith boost that I get when I read these stories, when that testimony is shared with me, I don't know about you, but it seems like it just fades throughout the day. And by the time I wake up the next morning, it's almost like it's gone. I need that refresher. I need to plug it in like a phone battery. You wouldn't leave your phone unplugged for 24 hours. And yet we unplug from faith for times much longer than this. And I can tell you from personal experience that in spiritual struggles, the worst time to realize that you need your armor is when you're under attack. See, you got to have it on beforehand. See, you've got to understand that every day you are walking out into a spiritual battlefield that you are under attack and that you need to have that armor and that protection on. And I think there's one other reason why Paul used the shield as an example of faith. See, in Paul's time, the major military force in the world was the Roman phalanx. And uh, if you've seen the movie 300, uh, the 300, you're probably getting visions of that right there. And I just want to remind you of a scene that happened with a, a guy that was named Ephialtes. And uh, if you don't remember, he was a disfigured man who he asked to join and fight alongside Leonidas. And, uh, and Leonidas tells him that the phalanx is an impenetrable unit and it's the source of strength in the Roman army. See, but each Spartan protects the man on his left from thigh to neck with his shield. And if there's even one single weak spot, then the entire phalanx shatters. See, you were meant to use your testimony and your witness to help strengthen and defend the other people around you, your brothers and sisters in Christ who are in that same phalanx battling the spiritual forces. See, this is why when they're reading in Hebrews 11, when you read through there, near the end, it talks about just some others. It doesn't list them by name. It says they were beaten, they were flogged, they were ridiculed, they were persecuted, they were mistreated, they were isolated. Note that one recently. And they're not mentioned by name. And I think they're not mentioned by name because who the writer is referring to, who Paul is talking about, is each and every one of us. See, God equipped us for this battle. We're protected by the shields of those who have gone before us and those who are around us right now. But we're also supposed to use our stories of how God has delivered us and God is delivering us as a witness to his trustworthiness to help strengthen those around us, that fellow Spartan soldier on our left. And so today what I want to ask is I want to ask that you would make a commitment.
See, some of us need to work on making sure that we've got our armor on every day. And I think that means making a commitment to start spending time in God's word today. Don't put on your armor when you need it. You need to put it on beforehand. Maybe that means picking up a Bible reading plan or, or asking people who are in your circle around you to help keep you accountable in reading. But see, I also think that some of us, that we need to be a little bit better as using our shield as a witness to help others. See, I think that each and every one of us here, that there are people in our lives who need to hear God's story of how he's transformed you, the redemption story that he's written on the pages of your life. Like in that hall of faith in Hebrews 11, each and every one of us, we used to be something. We did. We were liars. We were convicts. We were promiscuous. We were disobedient. But see, God has transformed us into something else. And when others hear the stories of how God has worked in our lives, they can help to understand a little bit better who God is, they can help to believe a little bit better and they can help to, to understand that God is worthy of their trust because he is with us, he is for us, and he will deliver us. And I can't think of a better season than right now to spread that message of hope and to raise up our shields of faith. Thanks, Anchor. It's been a pleasure to spend some time with you. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys again in person as soon as we get through this. And I would just appreciate you watching today.